right. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. We're going through the, the book of Habits of Grace. There is a, um, a chapter on a section in a chapter about listening, listening. And so we've already talked about <clears throat> feeding on God's word, which is a channel of God's grace or, or, or hearing his voice. We've talked about having his ear prayer. Uh, we've talked about, uh, fasting also being a, a channel of grace, sharpening our affections with fasting and making space for God, uh, going hungry for God. Uh, saying, God, I want you more than I want these chicken nuggets and Chick-fil-A sauce. Um, and last week we talked about pouring our house, our hearts out to God in prayer. And so this morning we're going to talk about <clears throat> inclining our ears to hear. Inclining our ears to hear. And actually before we jump in, I'm going to just say a prayer. And if you would pray for me as well, um, so that I can effectively and clearly communicate the message that the Lord has for us this morning. Lord, we desire to be a people who have our ears turned towards you, turned towards heaven. And in a day where there is much noise, where there is much distraction, and where it is challenging to listen and hear, would you help us? Would you help us to be captivated? Help us to be in tune with you, with your voice, and help us to follow and keep in step with you. And even this morning, as we open up the scriptures, God, may we hear from your word and may we hear specifically for our lives and for our church, your message. May it shape, may it sanctify us, and may it strengthen us. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. And it says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, first of all, let me just start by pointing out that listening Good listeners and being a somebody who is inclined to hear is so foundational for being a follower of Jesus. And I want you to think about as we're as we're looking at this word here this morning, think about the people in your life that you have experienced who have been who have lended their ear to hear you listen to your woes, your pains, your struggles, and let you pour out your heart to them. And been instruments of God's healing and grace in your life. Now ultimately we all have that with God. God is a God who speaks. And God is a God who listens to his people. Throughout the Bible he, he, he hears the cries of his people. He knows. He sees. He cares. He listens. 
And there's not one word that goes by that we utter, even the ones in our hearts, that he doesn't hear. He listens. He's the God who hears. He's the God who sees. He's the God who's here with us now. And so James is calling the people of God. He's calling the people of God to to a posture of listening and learning so that they may know what is true and do what is right. He calls his people to a posture of listening and learning so that they may know what is true and do what is right. Now, in this verse, it says, be swift to hear, be quick and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now, let me just point out, first of all, that these, these, the two twins, of anger and assumption that we're pointed to and that James points us to in these, in this verse. Be swift to hear, be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now God is a God who is slow to anger and he calls us over and over to be like him, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's who he is. And what anger does is it, it leads us to close our minds to God's truth. One theologian says, ceaseless talkers may easily degenerate into fierce controversialists. And so there's a connection with being too slow to listen and too fast to speak with anger. Okay, being an an assuming person, assumption, the definition for assumption is a thing that is accepted as true or as certain to happen without proof, without proof, right? And so God calls us to be a curious people. How many of our relationships have been damaged because of assumption and presumption? Where we didn't listen, we weren't curious, we didn't ask questions, and we jumped to conclusions, and we said something, and we did something, and we hurt somebody. Or we got hurt by somebody who did that. I call anger and assumption twins. Now, biblically, it's not always wrong to get angry, to be angry. Ephesians 4 tells us, be angry And do not sin. There is a time and a place for anger. But James tells us be slow to anger because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If you're going to keep doing the next right thing and be a person on the righteous path, you got to learn to manage your emotional life. And you got to learn to manage your tongue, right? And you got to learn to use the two ears that God has given you. I like to say that we should listen twice as much as we speak because God's given us two ears, all right? God's given us two ears to listen with. James is tapping in to ancient wisdom from the Proverbs as he's talking about this and even tapping into the words of Jesus himself who said over and over, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You see, over and over, Jesus was, was preaching and he, he was a preacher and he was sowing seeds of God's word and people who heard and really heard the word, they were like good soil where the, the, the seed penetrated the soil and it caused fruit to come up. Right? 
And so Jesus said, had, a, had a good amount to say about our words and about listening. Proverbs tells us, if anyone gives an answer before he hears it, it is to his folly, to his folly and to sh- in shame. So here's a, here's a piece of wisdom that will save us from a lot of pain and save uh, our relationships from a lot of pain. Is anybody as parents, we got several parents in here, is anybody as parents ever, <laughs> Brian's hand goes up right away, is, has anyone as parents ever jumped to conclusions, assumed, and administrated a spanking too quickly, later to find out that you shouldn't have given that spanking to that child? Anybody? Besides myself, be honest in here, all right? Or maybe it wasn't a spanking, maybe it was some kind of discipline that... You know, if you would have slowed down and heard both parts or both sides of the story or really listened to understand what was going on, that pain could have been avoided. Not just pain for our child's rear end, but pain for the relationship, the emotional pain, the regret that we feel when we're hasty and assuming we don't slow down enough to listen properly. And so first of all, what, what James is pointing to us, primarily what we see, his emphasis is listening to God through scripture, listening to God's word, okay? This is the primary emphasis, though it has application to all of our other relationships as well. But notice in verse 18, if you go back one verse where, where uh, James says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, the gospel, He brought us forth. That's being born again, theologians will tell you. James is referring to being born again. It's through the seed of God's word. Peter, first Peter one tells us that we've been born again. Christians are those who've heard the word of God. And it's like a seed that has penetrated and there's life has come forth. There's been this new birth. There's been this change from the inside out because we heard God speak. Through the preaching of the gospel. And it sank in. It, it changed our lives. It, it penetrated. Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes in me, he has everlasting life. You see, these are Christians. These are disciples. We hear his word. It penetrates. And, and, and it's, and we believe. We become new creations in Christ Jesus. We become children of God. And this is God's doing. He's brought us forth through his grace, through his work. I mean, who, anybody in here caused their own birth? You're like, I told mom and dad to bring me into the world at this. It it points to the reality that this is, the new birth is a work beyond us that we didn't make happen. God made it happen. It's grace. We just receive it and born into it. And so he, James is hitting on, on, and it's important because throughout the book of James, James calls the, the church to be doers of the word. But don't miss James 1.18. Don't, don't miss what God has done in the Christian already. He has brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And then, he goes on, he says, know this, my beloved brothers. If you're in the family of God, you're, you're beloved. Look to your neighbor, to the person next to you and say, you be loved. You be loved. 
You're beloved. Don't just read real quick over that like, oh, beloved. Yeah, that's for somebody else. No, that's for you, Christian. You beloved. You're beloved. You're, you're an, an object of God's affection and care and attention. He loves you, not some future version of you. And when you get your act together, then he's really going to love you. He loves you. He loved you even before you were born, Ephesians 1. What makes us think we can earn his love if he already chose to love us before we were even born? Like, well, I'll I'll make you love me, God. Like, I already loved you. And and you love me because I first loved you. 1 John 4 tells us, 19. We love because he first loved us. He has initiated the conversation. He has initiated the relationship. He has drawn us in by his grace and his love. He's won us over. And we're in the family of God. And as Amanda was sharing here this morning earlier, there is freedom in that. That is a gospel truth that we need to know if we're going to walk in the freedom, the purpose, and the calling that God has for us. If we're going to make effective, decisive decisions in life and not just be stuck at stalemate with everything that comes our way, we don't know what to do because we struggle with knowing who we are. You see, when we know who we are and we know whose we are and we know where we're going and we know that we belong, it frees us up to just get on board with what the Father has for us. To do what he's called us to do and not wrap up all our doing, our identity in all our doing. Because our identity is based on his grace. It's based on what he's done. Verse 18. Of his own will, he's brought us forth. But nevertheless, Christians have something to do don't let anyone tell you that you don't because that's doo-doo we have a responsibility as i said in the church marco polo i said think of responsibility as responding to god's ability we respond to god's ability we respond to the ability that he has and he gives to us to be who he's called us to be and to do what he's called us to do. So he goes on, he says, my beloved brothers, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. And let me just say, I'm not preaching this because I've arrived at this. <laughs> this is a verse I go back to, not because I got it all down, but because I need to apply it in my life so much more. And where I see the need for application the most is closest to home with my wife. Husbands, I'm preaching to you for a minute. If you want to love your wives well, and you want to show them that you love them, give them your undivided attention. Your undivided attention. Look them in the eye. Get off your phone. Get off the computer and everything else that you got going on that's distracting you and focus on them. And with your body language... With your body language, say, I love you. You matter. You're valuable to me. Tell me whatever you want to tell me for the next hour. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hour's a long time. Have some healthy boundaries. I mean, if, if, you may need to have that conversation for an hour. It ministers to us. I mean, just again, just think about the people in your life who have shaped you the most and who you have felt most loved by. 
I know for me, one of the characteristics of those people is that they've listened to me. I feel understood. I feel known by them. They're not just quick and assuming and, you know, got me figured out. Don't need to listen to you. I'll tell you what you need to do. Boom, 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 boom. No. Relationships depend on this listening and communicating, sharing our hearts. And so a posture of listening is a mark of a healthy disciple. Our vision for this year is to that we would grow in becoming healthy disciples who know Jesus, who are energized by grace, who are motivated by love, and who lead others to become healthy disciples as well. This is a mark of a healthy disciple. This is 101 basic discipleship. This is very foundational. When somebody becomes a disciple, they hear Jesus' call. They hear the gospel. They respond to his call. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Responsibility. But who's doing the heavy lifting? Who says, I will make you? Jesus. Who's the vine? He is. Who's the branches? We are. We just follow him. We stay connected. We listen. We abide. Listening and learning is so essential to discipleship. Disciples are students. They're students who listen, who learn, who follow and obey the words of Christ. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, so he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is basic discipleship, knowing his words. And his words are much more weighty and much more meaningful, much more powerful, much more necessary for us to be thinking about and speaking from our mouths. Because they're life-changing. Anybody like me been in school where... You had moments where you didn't listen very well and the teacher was giving you, giving the class an assignment and everyone else is turning pages and, and going forth with the assignment and you're just, just, just daydreaming or whatever you're doing. Or these days it's text messaging. You're, you're playing on your phone, right? You're, you're distracted and you, and you totally miss it. Anybody else beside me? Okay. You know, if, if I probably would have taken a test, I probably would have gotten um, diagnosed with ADD as, as a kid. Attention deficit disorder. And it's always been a struggle, even to this day. It's a fight to listen. It's a fight to listen to God. I mean, I have, it's, there's, there's internal pressures like, go get some coffee, go get some breakfast, go get a cookie. Check your phone. All kinds of internal pressures and thoughts. That draw us away from listening to God and listening to God, those who God has placed around us. Listening, a posture of listening is a mark of a healthy disciple. A posture of listening is also, it also models Christ likeness. It's a mark of a healthy disciple and it models Christ not likeness. Now, we gotta talk about Jesus in every sermon, right? Jesus is the example. Jesus is our sacrifice, our substitute, where we have failed and we don't earn any salvation from God. Jesus earned it for us. Jesus paid it all, right? And so Jesus lived his life in tune with the Father. Notice his words in John. And I love, I love how John captures, uh, this, this intimate relationship that Jesus Enjoyed with the Father while he was here on earth. He said things like this in John five nineteen. 
He said, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Like I said last week, Jesus lived in the zone. He was in the zone. Every morning, he was in the zone. His mama wasn't going to get him out of the zone. His brother and sisters, hey, Jesus, your, your mother, brothers and sisters are here. That His family was not going to get him out of the zone. In the zone of, I got to be about my father's business. So when Mama Mary's like, hey, Jesus, come on, they don't have any more wine. Can you do something here, right? Of course, he could do something. He's like, my hour hasn't come. He's taking cues from the father, not from Mary, not from his brothers in John 7 when his brothers are like, okay, if you are who you say you are, show yourself to the world. He didn't give in to those family pressures. He was keeping in step with the father's will, what he saw the father doing, what he heard the father speaking. He was all about the father's agenda. In John 5.30, he says, I can do nothing of my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Okay? So here's Jesus as our model. And when we imitate him, we're modeling Christ's likeness to those around us. He listened to the father. He said, I can do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And then in John 7, he says, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. So Jesus modeled that for us. And and when we have that model of listening, that posture of listening, that humble dependence upon the father, that inclining our ear to God, God, what do you want? What do you say? There's a lot of opinions and it can be polarizing if you read up the news and you, and you listen to a lot of other Christians and there's different views, all kinds of views and you can get tossed back to and fro by every wind of doctrine or like a kid just believing everything one person says or another person says, but it's the voice of God that comes through the scripture that steadies us and anchors us in what's true and shows us what is right. What's the next right thing for us to do? And so we listen. God's words are more important than our words. God's words are more important than our words. They're just more important. They're more weighty. They're wiser. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And if we really believe that, we're going to make the investment to become intimately and accurately acquainted with his words. First Peter, <clears throat> actually, let me just, let me just talk about Peter for a second. Because Peter was called to be a preacher, an apostle. And God used his words. And he's about to use them right now when we read them. Um, but Peter didn't always say what was right. Peter didn't always have the right answers. Sometimes he did. A lot of times he did. But there were times where Jesus had to rebuke Peter. And and one of his harshest rebukes, he, he said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Jesus wasn't taking his cues from Satan 
He wasn't taking his cues from mama, from his brothers, even Peter. He was taking his cues from the father. And when anyone spoke something or tried to move the agenda onto something else rather than what the father had clearly made known to Jesus, he gave pushback. And it was strong. And, and I'm, let me just say this. As a Christian leader, I see my, re, my responsibility is to be on God's agenda and help move the church onto God's agenda. That's what I'm committed to. Not my agenda. Not my will. God's agenda. And so we want to we dis- discover clearly what do you want, God. Fill us with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We want to know what you want us to do and we want to do it. So Peter says this, he says, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. So if you're called to speak, to teach, to preach, to exhort, Peter says, make sure you're saying God's words. Rather than your opinions and what you think might be good, speak God's words. Because his words carry the weight. His words bring the change. His words break the bondage. Set the captives free. His truth is powerful. The word of God is living and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces. It goes deep. It cuts. And so we need to be people who listen to God's words. We also need to be people who listen to the saints around us, okay? Now, this isn't James's primary focus, but it certainly is applicable. In Ephesians chapter 5, the apostle Paul, after he instructed the church to be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, he goes into submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, So submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, okay? There's an implication in submission that you're going to listen. You're going to hear what a person has to say. I I like to use the analogy of a pitcher uh, jar, a a cup and a pitcher. And when when we line up, when we submit to God or to those around us. And this isn't, by the way, the, the next verse goes into husbands and wives and it calls, the apostle Paul calls wives to have this posture of submission to their husbands. But here, Paul's saying, all of you, this is, this is what spirit-filled Christians do. This is how spirit-filled Christians are to live. They're to have this meek and humble posture of submission Because we're not the only one, I'm not the only one with the Holy Spirit. The entire church has the Spirit of God living inside of them individually. Ephesians 1, 13, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You saints have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Look over to somebody and tell them you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we should listen to one another. There's a number of other verses we could look at that would point us in this direction. But I think this is a weighty one here to to camp out on. We're to, to submit one to another out of reverence for Christ ultimately because we fear the Lord. 
And we believe that God works through the church. The church is the body of Christ. And there's, there's those within the body of Christ who have gifts to, that, that can enrich your life and your gifts at being used to serve and love can enrich others' lives around you. We can be, God calls us to be not only recipients of grace, but conduits of the grace of God. And we feel fully alive, we feel most alive when that grace is flowing freely through us. Not when it gets stopped up and there's a clog in the pipe because of unforgiveness, because of pride, because of laziness, because of fear, because of unbelief or whatever else, whatever, whatever, whatever other, whatever clog there, that is, is there. The Dead Sea, by the way, is, is the, is a great analogy for this. There is life that flows into that sea. There's, there's intake, but there's no outflow. Therefore, everything that goes into the Dead Sea is dead. It dies. Right? It, 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 life does not flourish there because there's not an outlet. And God has not called us to be cul-de-sac saints. He's called us to be conduits, recipients and conduits of God's grace. And one of the ways we can be recipients and conduits of his grace is to listen to one another in relationship. A posture of listening is a means of grace for you and others. Okay, Ephesians 4 tells us that uh, the Apostle Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, as it fits the occasion. Okay, Just because it's good doesn't mean you need to say it. As it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. This is powerful. Now think about this for a minute. Your words and my words have the capacity to transfer and convey grace into the lives of others. Where we empower, where we're being used by God to empower, to strengthen, to build up, to be a part of what God is doing in the shaping, in the sanctifying work in the church. We get to participate in that through our words and we get to be, we get to not only be uh, instruments of his grace to others, but we get to be recipients of that within the body of Christ. So if you got a word of encouragement for somebody here today around you, don't hold back in shyness and insecurity. Step out and share that word of encouragement that it may impart grace to those around you. David Matheson in his book Habits of Grace says, becoming a better listener hangs not, hangs not on one big resolve to do better in, in a single conversation, but on developing a pattern of little resolves, cultivating the habit to focus in on particular people in specific moments. Proverbs 9, 9. It says, give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Have you ever wondered how did the wise, the wise people in the world get wise? You ever thought about that? They listened. They asked questions. 
They were disciplined in hearing somebody else who had more wisdom and better ideas than themselves. And they listened long enough to understand them, to internalize them, and to act upon them. Proverbs is loaded with calls to get wisdom. It's all about wisdom. It's one of the, the, the main prayers that I pray for my children, Luke 2.52, that my children would grow in wisdom and stature and find favor with God and man. And I know that one of the, the, the key ways for my kids to get wisdom or anybody to get wisdom is to incline their ear to God, the wise, the only wise God the source of all wisdom, to ask God who gives wisdom freely to anyone who asks in faith, James 1, 5, to walk with other people who are wise, to, to have friends that they do life with who are wise and who are making wise decisions. Because those who we run with tend to rub off on us and we rub off on them. So the Bible calls us to Flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call out on the Lord with a pure heart. Sorry, y'all. I am all over the place. Good listening. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just take what Dave Mathis did at the end of chapter 13 in Habits of Grace because this is so good. I've shared some of this stuff before and he takes a, a good chunk of his stuff from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Life Together, which he has a section in there on community about Listening, the ministry, he calls it the ministry of listening. I like that title, the ministry of listening. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, good listening, first of all, requires patience. Okay, here's practicals. If we're going to be good listeners, okay, of course, with God, we want to be good. This, This is first and foremost where it's most important with God. But our relationship with God is reflected by how we relate to other people. How we love God, truly love God, is reflected by how we love people. That's just how it is. Jesus said it. You know, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. John said it. He said, how can we say we love God, but but not love those who we can't see, but not love those who we can't see, right? And so our love and our faith has to be carried. If, if it's genuine, it's going to be displayed at this level. If we, If this is real... This relationship that we have, we really know Jesus, then we're really going to love people. There's two beams on the cross. We love God because he first loved us. We love people because we've received his love for us. And we're not just recipients, we're conduits. And a part of that expressing love is listening. Um, here we go. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a kind of listening with, with a half, with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. This, he says, is impatient, inattentive listening that is only waiting for a chance to speak. Now, has anybody done that besides me? Anybody, has that happened to anybody besides me? Isn't it frustrating when you know, like, you're talking to somebody and you feel like you have something really important to say, and they are like, they're not listening, they're thinking about the very next thing they're gonna say and, and debate you with, or, or come up with, or, you know, their thoughts. It's, it, we don't appreciate that, right? Another author, Janet Dunn, says she she wrote an article on how to become a good listener. She says, unfortunately, many of us are too preoccupied with ourselves when we listen. 
Instead of concentrating on what is being said, we are busy either deciding what to say in response or mentally. Is that, is that, is that convicting for anybody else besides me? <clears throat> Dave Mathis says, rarely will the speaker begin with what's most important and the deepest. Listen to the whole train, the whole train of thought, all the way to the caboose before starting across the tracks. Okay, again, I'm preaching to husbands here, specifically want to target husbands. This is good wisdom that will save your marriage some pain. Preaching to myself here. Rarely will the speaker begin with what's most important. It starts with a surface deal. I mean, this is just so common in, in, in relationships, right? And we want to go deeper with people. We want to hear people's heart. But if we're going to go deeper, we got to show that we really want to listen and that we're going to listen and really be patient to where people can share their hearts and pour out their hearts. But when somebody really feels like they need to pour out their heart, I've found that often this is true. Often it starts with this surface deal. <laughs> I mean, this happens with confession of sin. A lot of times it's like, well, you know, I, I just made this little mistake. And then you hear more and it's like this big mistake, right? It's like, oh, well, don't just cut up. Let, let the person talk. Ask questions, right? And, and I love this analogy. Listen, uh, uh, hear the whole train. Listen to the whole train of thought all the way to the caboose before stepping across the tracks. Okay, because there's going to be a collision. You're going to get in trouble if you don't listen all the way through when it's time to listen, when somebody's trying to share their heart. Next, listening, good listening is an act of love. Again, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. Okay, learning to listen. We listen because we care. We care about their hurts, their struggles, their thoughts, their opinion, their insights. High quality listening brings good results, but it takes an awareness of how much people need to be listened to plus time and practice. Like research, research, I didn't look up any research, but research tell us when you look at all kinds of different areas like education, leadership, relationships, marriage, family, evangelism. I mean, a lot of people just think evangelism is you just preach and you don't listen. No, effective evangelism starts with listening and, and, and asking questions is very important if you're going to share gospel with people. Oftentimes people won't open up unless they, they feel like you really care and like you're listening. But but we see this just all across the board, and, and it, it seems to touch on every sphere of our lives, that if we're going to be healthy and fruitful and successful in, in all these different areas of life, one of the very basic essential disciplines we've got to learn is the discipline of listening, being good listeners. Good listening asks perceptive questions. Okay. Uh, you, have you ever gone to a holiday with, with family members and you want to have spiritual conversations? You want to go deeper than just talking about the Cowboys and they almost made it to Super Bowl no, or whatever, you know, you want to, you want to talk about something 
different, something deeper, something more valuable, and you walk away like, man, I wish I would have asked some good questions to engage. I mean, it may, may not be with family. It may be with just friends, just a group of friends, and you played games, and you had fun, but it's like, you know, they're, they're hurting, or you're hurting, or some, there's some big life stuff going on. It's like, you wanted to talk about that, but but you didn't come ready with a good question, or you didn't ask a good question in the moment. Good listening asks perceptive questions. Also, good listening is, is ministry. Listening can be a greater service than speaking. This is humbling to me as a speaker. But for those of you who don't feel called to speak and don't feel gifted in speaking, I hope this is very encouraging to you. Because listening can be a greater service than speaking. And those of you who are called to speak... I hope that this can be of an encouragement to you as well. So that like Peter, that we don't, when, when <laughs> Mark chapter 9, he's on the Mount Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah, and he sees Jesus and his glory, and there's just this powerful, holy moment, and, and, and Peter just starts talking. He's like, hey, I can build some tabernacles, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and you know, let's get this thing going, right? He's like taking initiative. Let's do this thing. And, and he has unnecessary words and unnecessary plans in the moment. He failed to discern what the father wanted in the moment because we know from heaven at that moment, a loud voice came from heaven and it didn't say, go for it, Peter. I've called you to build those tabernacles. No, he said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. And we all need to feel that weight upon our souls as Christians. We need to approach God as, as the one who is holy, the one whose words matter most. Ecclesiastes 5 says, God is in heaven, you're on earth, so let your words be few. Hebrews 2 as well. Good listening often diffuses, here's, here's a good some insight here. Good listening often diffuses the emotions that are a part of the problem being discussed. Okay, anybody? <laughs> any, okay, again, I'm going to talk to the to the husbands here. Have you ever had that moment? I know you did. I, I know I had it more than once where your wife is sharing with you a problem. Your wife is sharing with you a problem and you're thinking... You're, you're going straight before she even finishes sharing what the problem is. You're thinking of the solution and how you can fix the problem. You want to hit on the computer. You want to hit X and X those windows out. Like you got too many windows open, girl. Let's X those out. Let's free this space up so you can get moving a little bit faster, right? Anybody ever been there? Well, sometimes, sometimes the, the solution to the problem is not answers, it's attentive listening. And it's affirmation when what is shared is shared. You don't have to have all the right answers. but And, and, and I love this about listening because you don't even have to be the smartest, most gifted, most um, uh, uh, smartest, most gifted person who can get stuff done. If you just, like the Bible says, even a fool is considered wise when he keeps quiet. You know, like if you just listen good, like people will think, man, they're a really nice person. They're really smart. They're really wise. 
And then sometimes we open our mouths and we reveal that we're not as wise as, as people thought, or we're not as cool as people thought, or we're not as godly as people thought, because we opened our mouth when we shouldn't have, or we, did, we didn't think before we opened our mouth. We didn't ponder, pause, and pray. Good listening often diffuses the emotions that are part of the problem being discussed. Sometimes releasing these emotions is all that is needed to solve the problem. The speaker may neither want nor expect us to say anything in response. Now, just just a, a tip for the wives. When, when that's the case and you're sharing with your husband, just tell him up front. Just say, I don't want you to respond to this. I don't want you to say anything. Let me just share it. Just, will you let me just share this? And just give them a heads up. Set them up for success and just say, honey, I don't, I don't need to hear an answer. I don't need a solution. I just want you to hear me out. Set them up for success, ladies. Just tell them ahead, ahead of time. My wife has done that with me and I so appreciate it because I feel like a jerk when I cut in and I should have been listening and I should have been being a part of the solution by just simply listening and letting my wife pour out her heart. And thankfully, I have a wife who pours out her heart to the Lord with her problems as well, because I know that I can't fix all the things that she brings to me. I can be of help, and I can be a conduit of God's grace, but there's times as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, where I just feel helpless. And there are problems, and there's pain and there's struggle, and there's darkness. And all I can do is just listen. All I can do is just listen to you, pour out your heart, and say, this hurts, I don't understand. I don't know why this is happening. I don't see God in this. I don't know what to do. And it's good for me as a leader to just hush and listen. Good listening is ministry. Often a person can be helped merely by having someone who will listen to him seriously. We see a rise in people going to counselors, and I believe in counseling. We have at least one counselor here, two counselors here. And praise God for the conduits of grace they are. They just listen patiently, and they've been trained to be good listeners and ask good questions They draw out those deep things by good questions, good listening. They're just there. People will pay a lot of money for that because there's deep need for that. But as a church, we can we can be good listeners to one another, or we can we can all be good friends. Where we're where we're not assuming, where we're not quick to speak, where we're not coming across critical where we're not like Job's friends <laughs> who all had their opinion about Job's suffering and what needed to happen. We can just sit with our brothers and sisters in the pain and not feel like we have to say anything. It's okay to be silent. And again, this, this starts with us doing this with God and getting silent before God. Some of us struggle to do this in relationships because we're not doing this with God. We're not slowing down and spending adequate time. Some of us are emotionally a wreck because we're not getting our souls stabilized in the quietness of prayer and reading of scripture. I don't know about you, but I have to do that in the morning 
because I need a lot of help throughout the day. I'm, I, I would consider myself a morning and a night guy, <laughs> but I need to hear from God in the morning. The, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, He awakens my morning. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, and he awakens my ear morning by morning. Good listening prepares us to speak well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. Here's the last one. Good listening reflects our relationship with God. He who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be no longer listening to God either. He will either be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of death, of the death of the spiritual life. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and for his follies. So let me close. Let me land the plane with application. I've been going over too long, speaking too long. I'll apply this by not going too too far over 12 o'clock. Practical, ask someone close to you if they think you're a good listener. This could be your spouse, good friend, roommate, coworker. Just say, hey, you think I'm a good listener? <laughs> Just ask them. Let, let them be honest. Let them, let, them, let them express love to you by either affirming that you are a good listener or holding you accountable and confronting you with the reality that you're not. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. We all need a good rebuke. We all need somebody who love us enough to tell us the truth even when it hurts, when our breath stinks, when we forgot to put deodorant on, when when all kinds of embarrassing things happen to you. We all need a brother or sister who will say, you need to address that. So be intentional to ask engaging questions when you're in conversation. Keep in step with the Spirit. I had a whole nother, whole nother section that I wanted to talk about. Listen to God by His Spirit. Listen to God through His Scripture. But listen to the Spirit of God who has inspired the Scripture, who speaks to us, who affirms that we're children of God, who, who guides our way. He leads us, Romans 8 tells us. Galatians 5.25, it says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. He's living in us. When we walk in the Spirit and we keep in step with the Spirit, what, what kind of fruit comes forth from our lives, church? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control now several of those are connected with controlling our tongue and inclining our ears and lastly spend time daily with god listening to his word let his pure and powerful words shape your life bring peace to your storms clarify cut through the fog and clarify the path that he has for you Let us pray.
Take one minute of silence before God.